0: Good morning. Welcome back to The Woodford Show, as we always do at this time of the week, touching base with lawyer and TRU lecturer Jeffrey Myers and all things sort of American and global and Canadian politics. Jeffrey, how are you?
1: I'm good. Good to be with you, Shane.
0: Yeah, good to hear your voice again. Uh, listen, why don't we start off, uh, I know we've talked a lot about sort of the trump russia Mueller investigation, uh, not a lot of sort of major uh, revelations, over that, but there has been uh, some interesting little twists in the road, I just want to bounce off of you. Uh, one of those is, well, Paul Manafort's grabbed a lot of headlines. Uh, another guy, Rick Gates, uh, has had his sentencing deferred for the fifth time, according to the Mueller investigation, quote-unquote, he's helping with several ongoing investigations, therefore not ready to be sentenced. For those of us who uh, need a refresher, uh, Gates, of course, pleaded guilty in February last year to conspiracy relating to his lobbying work with Manafort in Ukraine. So um, I don't know if there's a lot to read into that, but uh, your thoughts there?
1: Well, there was much uh, made uh, earlier this week when, uh, when Mr. Manafort's, uh, I shouldn't say earlier this week, I should say last week, mister. Manafort was sentenced by a Virginia court uh, for serious financial crimes uh mostly having to do with his lobbying work abroad and his failure to pay taxes on those uh on the significant um, monies that he earned for from foreign sources on that um and you know he got a relatively short sentence lower than guidelines, and you and I had talked um on our last spot together. Um, about what was the meaning of that. And I said, well, there was another sentencing coming up in a Washington, D.C. courtroom for a series of uh, crimes which obviously he's already uh, pled guilty for, uh, but which are closer to the uh, Russia investigation, so to speak, um, and which more closely implicate the president and his campaign in wrongdoing. And he's now received, I said, I, th- I think he received a four and a half year sentence in connection. Um, uh, with, with, uh, with, uh, his, uh, his guilty pleas. Uh, and that, that that's very significant. Again, for his, he's a person, I'm not sure how old he is. I don't know if he, I think he's in his, he might be in his early seventies. I mean, these, these, this is a very significant thing. So I, I wouldn't read too much into it. Like, Oh, it's a light sentence or it can be spun. I know we talked a bit about that, um, last week. That's, that's just not, you know, sensible. And of course, um, Mr. Gates, who's Mr. Manafort's deputy, he continues also to cooperate. Remember, there was one of the things that exacerbated things for Mr. Manafort is that he wasn't as straightforward in his cooperation. Um, And I think there's some speculation that he's held out and still holds out hope for a pardon. But again, Mr. Gates seems to be a more robust cooperator. And he uh, continues, I think, to be a source of information in a variety of investigations into Mr. Trump, not the least of which is, of course, the Mueller investigation.
0: Uh, And speaking of Mr. Manafort, uh, last time you and I talked, uh, there was a lot of um, public debate about uh, the first round of his sentencing uh, being appropriate enough, and and we hashed that out in the last time that we had a chat on the show. Uh, Since then, uh, he had the second sentencing we discussed, uh, and he's essentially been... Um, handed 60 months uh, of additional sentence. So I think it's about, what, seven years or something all told between the two.
1: I think something like that, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, but interestingly enough, in sort of the immediate aftermath of the second sentencing, Jeff, uh, New York State jumped in and uh, tabled 16 indictment counts, including mortgage fraud, falsifying business records, and a scheme to defraud. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just your thoughts on that, and then as part of that, whether any of that would fall into that double jeopardy category or not.
1: Well, oh, that's okay. So there's a couple different questions in there. I mean, double jeopardy is basically the. I teach criminal law this year as well, and I mean, double double jeopardy is essentially the idea that you can't be once you've been tried and acquitted of a of a particular charge, you can't then be retried on it, and then uh, you know, for example, convicted the the convicted. The idea being that um, you know, once the government's had a chance to put forward all of its evidence against, if you can't secure a conviction, they can't sort of go on endlessly. Leaving you sort of subject to future charges arising from the same events, um, so that's uh, one question, but I think part of what you're actually interested in, Shane, in terms of asking that question is the question of um, uh, pardons right because the president has the power to pardon a um, uh, an of uh, somebody who's convicted of a cri- a federal crime, right, but they don't have that power. Uh, of pardon over state crimes now federal uh, prov- uh, sorry the uh, state governors sometimes have a power to grant clemency or pardons in connection with uh, crime state crimes but uh, certainly the president does not so the idea that the state attorney generals in in new york um, would in, would would start investigating and has been for some time investigating Mr. Trump and now uh, potentially bringing charges against him and his associates either. Uh, in stages uh, it, 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 or simultaneously to the federal prosecution. It is designed to, and there's also, I think, I think there have been similar actions taken by the state of California and various other states' attorney generals around the United States, kind of modeled in the same way that a lot of Republican attorney generals came after Obama um, uh, policies um, during his years in power. Nevertheless, um, yeah those and those are those are not possible for mr um, for uh, Mr. Trump to pardon, so uh, that's that's significant for sure, and it makes it certain that these uh, investigations and the ultimate grinding of the kind of wheels of justice won't you know be stopped.
0: Uh, and further to to the whole trump Russia collusion uh, storyline. Um, A new USA Today Suffolk University poll is claimed to have found that trust in the Mueller investigation has eroded with half of Americans agreeing with President Donald Trump's contention that he's been a victim of a quote-unquote witch hunt. However, as you and I talked about uh, off the air prior to to rolling tape, uh, it is a bit of a weirdly phrased poll question in and of itself. Uh, But that said, I mean... I guess when I look at that, what I get out of it, Jeff, is and my biggest concern is with Donald Trump uh, and his supporters sort of hounding and twisting and uh, chiseling away at the Mueller investigation before we see anything. It will lead to sort of a a split in in the faith of Americans in the system itself and, and basically an erosion of democracy as a whole.
1: Well, there's a lot. There's a lot underneath that question. I mean, a lot of the big kinds of questions that um, you know keep people like me, you know, who teach constitutional law, up at night. And so, I mean, I guess I don't mean to. I'm not trying to avoid your question, Shane, because I think there's just so much to it. But I, I want to start in a very simple sense of, of telling you this. I mean, one of the things. When I teach freedom of expression to my students, right, in my classroom, I tell them that the basic idea behind freedom of expression is the one that's been accepted in our kind of society and in our culture, and that's the idea of the marketplace of ideas, right, the idea that if everybody can just say as they wish, uh, then the best ideas will rise to the top and the poorest ideas will sink to the bottom, right, the same way as being in the market of um, products, the best, idea, the best products people like will be successful and the shareholder values will rise. And the products people don't like will sink into oblivion and they'll have to sell their, their businesses or take a loss, right? The idea that there's a marketplace for, for speech, and that's why free speech is a good thing. And, you know, that's been a broad consensus, and I'm not suggesting that we should, you know, throw that consensus out. But there is some reason for us to pause now, because what we see in the age of things like Trump and Brexit and the age of fake news is the fact that if you repeat false claims, even without any evidence... Um, sufficiently they can sometimes take hold in the public imagination as being true I think the other piece of it is is that we're so used to a media model now which has become obviously um, accentuated by the intensity of the internet and the online world but we're used to a media model which is Here's one side of the story. There's the other side of the story. Turn your judgment to it and make a decision. And we're now in a situation though where we're not we're giving credence to two sides of a story, where in fact one side has the monopoly on all the facts, and the other side is purely a conspiracy theory or um, you know some kind of dramatic proposition devoid of any basis in the evidence, right? And we're saying, well, here are the two propositions, and we have to be respectful you know that that people disagree on it make up your own mind that's that's a very confused kind of approach to fact and fiction and it makes it a very difficult environment for the idea that the best speech will thrive uh, to 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 take root. So it's it's a, it represents a very big crisis to the kind of our, our democratic uh, institutions and the institutions uh, of free speech around which we discuss. You know questions of politics and public importance based on kind of distinctions between uh, reasoned um, people arguing about facts.
0: And uh, speaking of that sort of global nexus that we had that uh, horrific shooting in New Zealand uh, with uh, the shooter in custody and his uh, manifesto and never mind the social media horror that he visited upon us, but uh, in that manifesto, there's a lot of uh, interesting And some of it a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But uh, again, he's dragged Mr. Trump into that by basically saying that he's uh, he's encouraged um, some degree of that kind of behavior. Not the first time Mr. Trump has been linked to white nationalism. Uh, Your thoughts there?
1: Well, I mean, you know, again, this guy in his manifesto so-called also referenced, you know, the shooter in Norway a few years ago referenced the shooter in Quebec City. So obviously there's a kind of, um, you know, world in which these guys self-refer to one another. Um, But I think the bigger uh, question really is uh, what kind of an environment or climate exists in which this kinds of – um, thing happens, and uh, I don't think there's any doubt that for these individuals, seen from their perspective, um, you know, obviously deranged, uh, is that the that the politics of a Donald Trump, um, or the politics of kind of contemporary white nationalism, or f- uh, whatever you want to call it, the alt right, um, which is not just again kind of in the darker corners of the internet now, but is is embraced by many many world leaders. I mean, we talk about Donald Trump, talk about um you know the the newly elected president of Brazil we, there with the list uh, you know uh, Victor Orbán in in Hungary um you know the list goes on right many um leaders in, including western or democratic nations who have this kind of viewpoint that was outside of the mainstream it's not a leap from there to see people taking imagining themselves as kind of um you know uh, warriors in some kind of cultural or you know religious or civil uh, civil war of some kind or another and that when public leaders play around with that you know there's good people on both sides or however you want to measure the rhetoric or have tolerance for um you know certain kinds of views which previously would have been viewed as uh, hate speech they open up um, the possibility of um, of violence. And it it, it certainly wouldn't be fair to say that Mr. Trump's rhetoric or any other politician's rhetoric is directly responsible for um, the crimes of a deranged lunatic with a gun. But uh, the language of a politician can make, uh, in a society in which deranged lunatics have access to guns, it can create um, all kinds of um, incentives and all kinds of um, environments in which it's easier or more difficult to act, shall we say. And uh, uh, it's a powerful, powerful influence that's uh, um, you know, given over to uh, you know, human beings who are in many cases emotionally vulnerable or mentally ill.
0: Why don't we finish up on SNC-Lavalin. Uh, Jeff, Not again, not a whole lot of revelations on that other than a cabinet shuffle and uh, some ongoing sort of ripple effects of the controversy itself. Uh, are you seeing anything there from a legal point of view that is uh, that is changing the situation or landscape at all or no?
1: Yeah, no, I think this is, a, I like I say, I really think that the decisive fact of the matter is is that even um, Jody Wilson-Raybould, in her own comments, has said that she didn't regard anything necessarily as crossing the line into illegality, or she would have resigned even more immediately, and, you know, I think that Jean Philpott leaving government is very, very significant, and as I've said, the symbolism of it, again, of, um, you know, two people who were sort of brought in from outside into the government and also viewed as highly competent people who also happen to be women, uh, and and, you know, were seen to be stars in this government. And again, not, you know, insiders or people who've been in politics for a long time, but people who really had confident external uh, reputations. Their fact of both of being out of government now in sort of a principled way I think is is a very damaging thing for the Liberal Party. I think it's clear it's not gonna result in, in Mr. Trudeau resigning or being, you know, forced out by his uh, cabinet or caucus. They're clearly four square behind him and you have those cabinet shuffles today obviously to 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 close that circle. But there's an election coming up and you know we've yet to see how it will play out. it, it could play out in any variety of ways. But I think, you know, part of what we're going to have to have is a discussion as a country about, um, you know, whether we, you know, what our values are, right? And like what 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 we mean by the rule of law and what we expect of our public officials. Like, all I can say is as somebody who teaches students about constitutional law, I, I would expect my students to act the way that Jody Wilson-Raybould act to, from all the facts as I can see them. And if I um, was a member of this government, I m- may well have, lose, have lost faith in the Prime Minister after what I saw uh, happened here. And so, what the result uh, 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 of all these facts are, though, is still yet to be played out or still further information to be had. But it's not going to result in the government uh, falling or anything like that. But it will have certainly kind of electoral effects, and it will be interesting. To see what those are, if anybody was naive enough last time round to think that, you know, a, a Liberal Party fronted by, um, um, by Mr. Trudeau was going to, you know, be any different than the Liberal Party fronted by uh, Jean Chrétien before him or uh, Paul Martin or any other, uh, John Turner or his father, any other Liberal leader who are pragmatic and shrewd politicians who um, are, tend to be centrist and uh, only sparingly principled. I mean they 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 were fooling themselves and what's the tragedy in this whole thing particularly is where there are young people particularly some indigenous people who voted for the first time enthusiastically for this government believing that the rhetoric would be meaningful and have been left disappointed Uh, in my opinion I have my obviously my own political views not everybody shares them in my opinion it would be a mistake to allow these shortcomings to redound to the benefit of Andrew Shearer's conservative party I think the Harper years were beset by um, even worse kinds of practices, but we'll see. Uh, the NDP are in a weak position right now. Um, but in terms of the law, these are things which um, you know, we're going to have to have discussions as a country uh, as to whether or not we find um, them acceptable. Um, they operate really at that very gray um, outer limit. And again, more evidence is required to know exactly what happens, so we're not necessarily have a full picture just yet.
0: Perfect stuff as always, Jeff. Appreciate the time. Look forward to chatting again in a week.
1: All right, Shane. Look forward to chatting with you then.